0: Hey ghosties, we hope you're having a great summer. Did you miss us? Well, we're not coming back yet. But what you can do is you can listen to an old episode of ours that you may or may not have heard of yet because it was way back in season one, episode six, traveling the world on God's dime.
1: Short-term missions, bitches. Mm-hmm. Just listen to us as we discuss our own illustrious travels throughout the world to share the word of God. Except I only traveled domestically and that was mostly in the Midwest. So for me, it wasn't as glamorous, but you know, actually, I didn't really raise money for that either. Okay. I didn't do missions. I didn't. I just never did it. <laughs> Whoopsies. But because
2: it's summertime, which is like epic travel times, we're all going fun places, doing fun things. But back when we were good old evangelical Christian youths, we spent all of our summers traveling to go tell the world about Jesus. So we thought it might be a good time to re-release this episode and have you learn a little bit more about some of our missional
0: pursuits. That's right. If you're going on a road trip, this is a great episode for you as you drive through the gorgeous lands of wherever you are. Just imagine us bright-faced and rosy-cheeked, virgins, all of us,
1: definitely. Yes, definitely. <laughs> and so chaste. And yet, such wonderful little white saviors in the making. mm mm-hmm.
2: We we're so. really good at it. And we have some pretty insane stories from our midtime <laughs> time missions. So it's a very fun episode and we have a lot of new listeners these days. Yay, thank you. So we just thought we'd put this back in the old feed because it's a fun time. And if you're traveling anywhere on God's dime or your
0: own this summer, like... Put this uh, in the old earbuds and give it a whirl. If you like what we're doing and you want to hear us in between episodes, please come and join us over on TikTok or on Facebook. We have a really great group over there. Just look us up, Holy Ghosting. Wherever you want to find us, we're probably there. And if you like what we're doing and want to give us some dollars, check us out over on Patreon.com
1: slash Holy Ghosting. See you soon, ghosties. Banter. Bantering. Watermelon. Watermelon. I don't know about the Holy Spirit, but according to Luke chapter one, he did come on Mary. <laughs> so you tell me, you tell me. Sounds like a dude. Yeah.
2: Come to Holy Ghosting, a podcast about deconstruction from your middle-aged mom friends. I'm Lindsay, and I attend an Episcopal church in Portland, Oregon, and
0: I do not believe that the earth is 10,000 years old. And I'm Meg, and I do not attend a church in Oregon, and... I don't know what we're talking about today, so I will get
1: you back at the end of the show with my funny quick... And I'm Sarai, and I believe I dreamed up the earth, and it could be any shape it wants to be, because I believe in us.
0: Yes,
2: we can. (laughs) So today, we are not talking about creation versus evolution. I just was thinking about ridiculous things that Christians believe, and that's what came to mind during the intro. Today, we're going to talk about short-term missions. Before we jump into that, and we, gals guys and gals, non-binaries, all of you, close your eyes. Oh, no. is this an altar call? It's not an altar call. I just want to get I want to set the mood. Mm -hmm. I want us to be transported to the days of our youth. Some
1: visualizations.
2: This is a little little excerpt from, I'm not going to tell you what it's from. I'm going to read it and then I'll tell you. Okay, let me get in the zone. Just closed eyes. Every hand bowed, bowed, every every eye closed. Invite anybody who feels like it can afford it on a trip. Safe but adventurous place. Raise funds. Click loads of supplies by matching t-shirts printed with a catchy logo and or a Leading question to use as a traveling evangelism tool. Create a detailed packing list. Travel to destination and matching shirts, be sure to strike up at least one conversation at every stop to indicate that you are serving the Lord Jesus Christ. Stay as a group in a dorm, church, hostel, or hotel. Quote unquote, help poor people, or the disaster afflicted by offering unskilled labor, unwanted prayer, and cartoon Bible tracks. Give away some junk. On the last night of the trip, order pizza because everybody is so sick to death of the local food. Arrive home, slightly conflicted, burdened for the less fortunate, unsure if any actual help occurred, but grateful for all of your blessings. Share none of your doubts, but tell family, friends, and especially financial supporters that it was an awesome trip and that you totally saw God at work.
1: Now you can open your eyes. Does this
2: feel familiar? Has anybody walked this path before?
1: Oh, many, many times. (laughs) my missions have been mismissions like a misadventure but mismissions <laughs> maybe not
2: so glorious as described so that was a little excerpt from Jamie the very worst missionary clearly she has some short term missions experience as do we all. So I want to preface with, for those of you who aren't familiar with short-term missions, that did a pretty good job of describing what it was, but I don't know what the actual definition of how long a short-term mission trip is, but it is short. You are not going there and you're not living there as a missionary, but you are going as a missionary with a group of people and you are going to do the Lord's work.
0: I could think of it as a vacation missions trip. So you're not packing up your whole house and moving there. Your bed is still at your house. Probably your parents house and you got a return flight already you're not going mm-hmm. on a one way you know time. when you're coming home yep yeah for me that's a short term mission right on a bus or on a plane on a train, probably. <laughs> For any of those who listen to our camp episode, to me, if it's got a lot of the same vibes. A little less like teenagers crying and
1: going down altar calls. It's,
2: it's more like you want
1: the other people to do that. They're just not voluntary participants in an altar call, but they're still receiving it in their day-to-day life. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> yay! I always think about it by, do you have to leave the country to renew your tourist visa or not? And that's because Mm -hmm. of my various friends who've done both short and long-term missions, who've had to brave a canoe crossing of some river somewhere to get to that other country on the other side and so they can come right back, so they can continue their beautiful missions.
0: Sorry, is this on a vacation visa? This is not a work visa. So I'm going to rattle off the
2: countries I have been to on a short-term missions trip. And then I would love to hear from y'all where you have been. So I've done some short-term missions in my day. But my family was a very big YWAM family. So I have my parents and I have two sisters. And I am the only person in my family who has not done a DTS of my own.
0: And I...
2: What a fail. I hold that card dearly, but... I was sort of forced into one because we did a family one when I was 11 or 12. So in YWAM, you can do a DTS, which is discipleship training school. It's like several months. And Debbie, you're on the base, your city for several months. And then you go on outreach for a couple months. And they also offer a program called Crossroads for older people or families. So my parents signed up for a Crossroads and there was not enough people who signed up for it. So they just combined us with the DTS. So it was my parents and three children, one single mom, and then a bunch of college students who went to Mexico together. So that was a fun time. So I have <laughs> I have been to Mexico, but my dad was a youth pastor growing up and we lived in northern California and we would drive down to Ensenada at least once a year. And even though I wasn't in his youth group I was too young, I went to Mexico many, many, many times. But then of my own volition, I have been on a mission trip to Uganda and one to Turkey and kind of went to Croatia. Like I visited missionaries who were living in Croatia, but I didn't do like missions work while there. So I don't know if that counts. So Croatia, Turkey, Mexico, Uganda, that's where I have been.
0: Lindsay, did you think you were on a missions trip though? I mean, I think it's more about what's in your heart than really what you end up doing. Oh, I mean, mostly I just wanted to like see cute boys in Europe. I've heard there are some cute boys in Europe. Yes, very.
2: (laughs) But I was traveling with my middle sister, who is, I love her dearly, but she was not into boys. And uh, we are very funny traveling companions. So she was, I was like, oh, Lindsay, I did not kiss a single European boy. Boo. Um, yeah. Boo boo. Hoo. Since we were going to Turkey on this mission trip and had raised funds for that, but we traveled before and after. I think there was this sense of like, since we had raised some support, we needed to do very Christian-y things. So we stayed with missionaries who we hadn't met before, but like a friend mm. of a friend. Anyways, they were delightful. I loved them. Oh, okay. The missionaries in Croatia, they were like wonderful people and we <gasps> had a great time.
1: I just really want to go to Croatia so I was going to see if I could get some numbers. If I oh, hand out tracts while I'm there, if it's last.
2: Croatia is a wonderful place and I still like root for them in the World Cup. After being there, they were like such delightful people and people are always inviting you into their homes, cooking up feasts. There's a lot of like kebab, like a lot of like sausage things and we ate a tamborik, which is this delicious like stuffed pastry with either meat or cheese in it and then grappa, Uh, usually like homemade grape wine. And it's totally a culture where when you're like, no, I'm good, they just keep like pouring in your glass. And we were just such like white Christian evangelicals were like, these like Christians are like throwing lots of, and it's not wine, it's like grape booze, you know, like it is moonshine <laughs> that they are pouring into yeah. your cups. So that's why I was like, oh, the Croatians, they are good people.
1: <laughs> I want to go to there. I, I love them already. They sound like Portuguese people, but with more bread around the meat and cheese. That's all wonderful. Yeah, okay. there was You've a sold decent me. amount of bread.
2: Yeah, a lot of pastries, a lot of good coffee. And I will say uh, one horrible thing I learned is that we met a woman there who she was good friends with the missionaries that we stayed with, and she had had some financial insecurity and finally landed a job with the uh, united shades of benetton do you remember that brand yes United colors of benetton or whatever and they had like a factory there in croatia but she was still learning like their machines and how to like put together the garments and they paid based on like quota on how many garments so she had been working for them for three weeks and had not made any
1: money so they're a bad company so don't buy from them
2: (laughs) that's the moral of that story
1: (laughs) I'm 100% sure I never have, but I can't say anything for their subsidiaries or their parent company. I don't even know if they're around anymore. I just remember the
2: time they had a lot of progressive marketing, you know. I mean, shocker that a progressive company, like, exploits laborers. I've never heard of something like that. That doesn't ever happen, does it? No. So,
1: I'm curious. Saray, where have you been? I don't like to be a person who's like, oh, no, Meg, go first, because... Um I love to talk but I kind of need Meg to go first this time because I think my ending one is very specific. So Meg, <laughs> I'm passing the baton to you and passing the buck. All right, to girl. You. All right, so I think my very first short-term
0: missions trip was in high school to Mexico. Uh, Classic, my Classic. yeah. Just it's a it's a load a bunch of kids into an old bus that doesn't have air conditioning in the middle of summer from Central California down to Mexico, and I'm not we I'm to, nodding
2: violently because this <laughs> is like yep, mm-hmm. this is
0: like cut and paste of like no. everyone's story about going to Mexico and Did going to an orphanage. Go to an orphanage, yeah, I was going an orphanage did you like build a building built a bathroom Mm. Uh, There was a kind of hole in the ground with some wood around it that the kids were using. So we were helping build like cinder block actual bathrooms, I guess, with toilets in them. And yeah, and then uh, half the group was going, I think it was to build a church or it was a home for a pastor of a church. It was very church related. Yeah. I mean, that was a fun trip. I bonded with some kids that then I had to leave and never saw again. So that was terrible. My boyfriend, who is now my husband, um, as we know, I had a very uh, short amount of dating activity in my life before my virgin marriage at 20. So first time listeners, that's just a, a little tidbit of my history. But my 15 year old self in Mexico with the boy I liked, and we bonded with this little boy who would always run up to us and hold our hands. And I was like, yeah, we should absolutely adopt him, right? Because what else should 15 year olds be doing, but adopting children from a foreign country whose mother language they don't speak and bring them back to California. So we did not do that, which I'm really glad Shocking. to say they yeah. did not yeah. take a yeah. child
1: from another country. Um, I'm really grateful together. your youth pastor had that kind of wisdom <laughs> and foresight, like the wisdom of Solomon, really. Right. And also really just like true. the U.S. legal system
2: would not have let you do that.
0: I do think that I would have been able to just bring children across the border at the time. Like it was the 90s and this was pre 9-11. I don't know. I think it would have worked. <laughs> Those are like the summer trips to Mexico, you know, where everyone got the Mexico blanket and we all got our like treats at the border. We probably spent more money driving down there and buying stuff at the border than we did actually contributing to the people that we went to see. Uh, Then I, too, went to YWAM. For those of you that don't know, that's Youth with a Mission or Young Women After Men or my personal favorite, Young Wolves After Maidens. (gasps) That's more fair. I like that's it. That's a good one, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh, that's exactly what I experienced. Uh, so my my DTS was in Australia. And when you're on your DTS, you know, at least for me in Melbourne, we had to go out into the community and just do like preaching on the corner kind of stuff, which I never did. If you know me, that's just not a thing I do. And then I went to a lot of places on short-term missions trips, Zimbabwe and Zambia and South Africa, Korea, Indonesia, Singapore, Malaysia. Dang,
2: I just learned a lot about you, Meg. <laughs> In that moment, I had no idea. You win at Short Term Missions? <laughs> no. This, yeah.
1: if this you was, win. If this was a contest,
2: you're the winner. Number win. of places you proselytized. That's what my (laughs) award's gonna be in. I haven't gotten to the question yet where I ask how many souls you save. So we'll see if you win. Spoiler zero. Yes, same.
1: (gasps) You gave it away. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Okay, everybody. If you don't want to listen to the rest of this episode, we're holy ghosting. Just kidding. Just kidding.
0: (laughs) Yes. Please stick around because I have some killer stories that are going to come up in this episode. Spoiler, it will end, but later.
1: Okay, keep listening. Uh, I'm I'm sorry I failed at the first rule of podcasting is stop telling people not to (laughs) listen. Gathering my senses. Here's what I'll say. I've been to one country on short-term missions. And every single year that I was in middle school and high school and even beyond high school when I was like a youth group leader until I was much older than you'll expect, but I won't tell you yet, that'll be something I'll spoil later. So we always planned to go to Mexico. Every single year, it was Mexico trips. There was all these pictures of the kids that were a little older than me in Mexico, like, well, you saved people. It was always to build a church, like some other free Methodist church in some other place in Mexico. I don't. I don't know. It was always close to Ensenada style, like around there. One year, I think it was the first year I could have gone. I was a ninth grader. And that's when you could go on a Mexico trip when I was a kid. We worked in all these different little like fundraiser things. Some people could pay. And there were like some people who paid for youth group to go on these important mission trips to other countries uh, or other places. And uh, some of them just paid for themselves. But then a lot of us worked in like fireworks booths and stuff. So that was like a year round venture. And I worked every shift I ever could because I wanted to go on every youth group thing ever invented. Short-term mission trips, not excluded from that. So I work my butt off all year, ninth grade. I get to the summer. It's time to go to Mexico. We're all so excited we all get to the church. We all get on the bus. The bus starts driving. And 30 minutes later, the bus is like, actually, no, we're not going to Mexico. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what? That was, yeah. was say, spiritual Satan didn't want time. us to. That or there was like a terrible accident that we would have run into in Sacramento. Mm-hmm. Like, who knows? Or mm-hmm. could be numbers. Many, many reasons. Natural, Natural Lord disasters. Works, the Lord yeah. works in mysterious ways. So yeah. we were back in Eugene in like the same day and i was devastated so yeah what did those kids in mexico do without you being there for the week that's the question do you want to know something that's true i literally never gave it a thought Mm. i was so sad i didn't get to go to mexico to help all these poor sad children but once i didn't get to go to mexico i was like
2: oh i didn't get to go to mexico you know (laughs) I mean, that's the wild thing about short term missions is that while it is not a full on vacation, I mean, I definitely like roughed it in some short term missions. There was times like when I was in Uganda, where we traveled by like taxi up to the village where everyone lives in hut. Things in Uganda had like settled down, but there were still warring tribes in some of the areas. And, you know, malaria runs rampant and you have to sleep with a malaria net over your bed. And yeah, you're just going to the bathroom like over a hole, you know, like so it's not a vacation, but it's interesting, like the way that you talk about your excitement to go on that trip it's like i look back and like what was the draw what was it like we all wanted to go we want to take part of this so badly And I would surmise that it's not for the people that you're helping, although that gives you a nice little serotonin boost for sure. Those like orphans, like holding babies, it's delightful. People said this when they came back from these trips. At the end of the day, when you ask people what the takeaway was, it was your personal growth Mm. and what you learned. And it was honestly throwing white kids into other cultures and showing them that like the rest of the world does not look so much like our world.
0: It's the proof that your parents have been telling you that there are starving children and that's why you have Mm. to finish your plate of food. And there are kids who don't get all the things for Christmas or their birthday and that you should be grateful and that there are people that are less fortunate than you, but you just have to go really far to another country to find them, which is a big old fat lie. God
2: forbid you help the people in your own backyard.
1: They're not deserving poor people who we feel sorry for because these poor people brought it upon themselves by Mm. being poor in America. So that's a problem. Well, yeah, they
2: had like Too many babies, and they're on welfare, and nobody wants to work anymore. Exactly, Kim Kardashian, but.
0: (laughs) What is the justification, though, to send our children to foreign places to help poor people, but we're just not going to do it here for actual neighbors and people that we see every day? Uh, Soraya,
1: I see that hand. Thank you, Lindsay. Um, Yes, I have a testimony. I have a prophecy to share in the form of a song. (laughs) It's all about you. Why kids <laughs> and all this is for you for your learning and your growth it's not about them the people you're quote <clears throat> helping and I don't remember the last part, but I feel like Master ended up being in that song. And did you make it us. up on the spot or did you write this a while ago? It's a repurposing of a worship song. Well, I know the worship I know song. I, like, oh, the God, I'm so worried I sang it badly and no one knew what No, no, I, no. I was tracking it but I was like, did you I just, just
2: make up the new lyrics right now? Because
1: my mind is fucking blown. I sang them as the words came out my mouth and I was process. but an instrument unto the as Lord. As the spirit leads... Amen. You know what I missed,
0: though? If next time you could just have your keyboard oh, there yes. with you. Toughly. Because if you had started to just play those keys, oh, I would have lost my shit.
2: You you're going to be, my be job. famous with this song. This Great. revelation.
1: The point is, I literally never got to go to Mexico on a short-term mission trip. because Ever? It never worked. There <laughs> were so many times that I did not get to go to Mexico and I went to every <laughs> other thing ever invented. I'm telling you everything else. But Mexico for some reason, out. it Mexico did not want me and I want to say they dodged a bullet. I'll tell you more later. The other reason is I did get to go to one country on a mission strip, as I said, and that country was U.S.A. USA. USA. <laughs> I oh thought you were
0: gonna say Canada, but no, USA is it better. was the USA. The Where curdle, did the USA?
1: Go? Okay, so in high school I went to Farmington, New Mexico to a free Methodist run mission. And as you know, the Free Methodist Church is small, but weirdly connected. And so <laughs> this mission trip took place one year. I believe it was 1996 because I turned 16 and I had a crush on the boy from the other youth group who was with us. Then I threw up in his lap and then he bought me flowers and sat next to me anyway. We were pen pals for years after that. Wow, it's so beautiful. Okay, so I went to New Mexico. We built a playground for their mission, question mark. And there I met a girl. Her name was Erin. And then later I saw her. Uh, a couple years later at Central Christian College of Kansas, where I also met fiance too, who, by the way, was like, I know Aaron. And I'm like, me too, because I went to her mission. And he's like, me too. And I'm like, cool. My youth group built a playground for them. And he goes, my youth group built a playground for them. <laughs> and then They just needed we, a new playground all the time. You guys, we compared pictures of our mission trips and it was like his friends and his youth group and my friends in my youth group doing the same exact thing. Chores, which was part of when I was like, oh, I think we're too close to this to get married, actually.
0: Wait, (laughs) something out of a part something and then more kids came and
1: put it back together. That's the mystery. And I'll never know. Because Aaron hasn't told of, me out
2: of a movie like this is a like, did a they
1: mystery. move it from like the west side of the building to the north side of the building? Did my youth group just do a really shitty job? And then they needed the Fruitland, Idaho Free Methodist Church to come to it's it the next year. It's very possible. Yeah. Can
0: we go back to the fact that you said you did not go to Mexico ever, Mm -hmm. but you did end up in New Mexico, Mexico. the state. Is that what I'm?
1: Okay. I went to only the new version of Mexico. Yes. (laughs) The American American version. Not old (laughs) Mexico. Good old USA Mexico. Yes. That's where I
2: went. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> Amazing.
2: Uh, um. Well, okay, great. Because since the stories are flowing, my thought was like, we tell some stories and then I would like to eventually get into the problem of short-term missions. Because like most things, like how we felt about camp, like there are some like great memories wrapped up in short-term missions with me. But then also as I've gotten older, I'm just like, God damn it. Like, did I do any good? Or was that all just very harmful? But before I answer that question, I'll tell you a couple of my favorite stories from my missions trip days. I don't remember a lot from Ensenada trips when I was a kid, other than my dad would always take us to his favorite fish taco spot in Ensenada. So I remember the fish tacos more than I remember anything else because they were amazing. So when we did the Crossroads DTS as a family, we went to the YWAM base in uh, Chico, California. And then we did... It was like a two to three month mission trip way down in Mexico. So we were in a state called Nayarit in a city called Tepic and not a ton of English speakers there. And then from Tapeek, we kind of went out on like smaller trips. So we ended up at one point in the Wechel Mountains. You probably you can buy Wechel hot sauce. I, I see it around sometimes. And so when I see it, I'll buy it. They're a native group and they still have their own tribal languages. A lot of them don't have electricity. So we went up in the hills and I remember driving this crazy winding road. And mind you, so it's me and my younger sisters and my parents and then basically teenagers. And so my poor father is being led by like an 18-year-old girl named Becky. I shit you not. That was her name. And it, she had a meltdown down at some point during our trip and basically told my dad, who was a pastor, to, like, lead because <laughs> she couldn't do it. So we go to Wichel, but my sisters and I, we did really cute little, like, skits and songs. We would do a dance to shine, to just shine, and we knew it in Spanish, we would go and we would do the motions and we would sing. And the one thing I remember is we get to this Lichel village and there's, like, kind of a big covered building. I think it was maybe their like schoolhouse, dirt floors, and that's where pretty much everyone was sleeping. We just like laid out our sleeping bags and all slept in this big room. After we get there, we learned that like apparently these mountains have an incredible poisonous scorpion. And like the oh. only If you get bit, the antidote is like, but you have to be able to identify the scorpion. The antidote or anavenom or whatever for the scorpion sting will kill you if it's the wrong kind of scorpion. So,
0: like, if you get bit by one, you have to like show them what kind you were. So, So, hold on. So, you get bit by a scorpion and then you're supposed to catch it. And take it with
2: or, you, or at least be very certain of the kind that you were. Oh my, gosh. harmed by. So there was that, and then we found out that a girl in the village earlier that year, or like that month or something, had been attacked by a vampire bat, which oh. also <laughs> inhabited
0: the area. And then I thought you're just going to hard stop after vampire. And I no, was like, this it's getting interesting. No, no.
2: No, a vampire I bat. Do. And then we found out no wonder she cat. liked okay. Frank Peretti so much. Right. <laughs> and then after we left the village, we found out that apparently a traveling Chinese circus many years ago, their African lions had escaped and were just like living in the like, jungle. To Mexico, like we're in the freaking <laughs> wild. Because None of that terrified me. Although my mom heard something drop out of like the rafters of the thatched roof that we were sleeping under, nope. and nope. like woke up in the morning and lifted up her pillow and there's a freaking scorpion under. Her
0: pillow. No, no, Mm-mm. Mm-mm. I don't like. This I don't remember. Story.
2: I don't remember if it no. was the deadly kind or not. I oh do my God. remember. Go- it doesn't it matter. if It's a was scorpion a deadly kind or not. Right. I remember that as a vampire. <laughs> I know, right? I was like, wow. My parents like took me to pretty gnarly. I, I don't remember anything about like i don't think people got saved but we almost died by <laughs> scorpion and then i remember going pee like in the forest or whatever and i heard like the clanging bell of like a cow and i looked up and it's like this giant ass bull it's just like staring at me as i'm peeing and it's like a ways away but i like stand up and i'm trying to like finish my business and it just starts like running <laughs> god no like, yeah so i i dodged the bull but it was a harrowing <laughs> experience. I feel like my favorite Christmas ever as a kid is we were in Topic in Mexico. We were in this kind of apartment building with a few different rooms. And I remember there was never ever hot water. There was a hot water heater, but it just like never worked. So like we didn't have a hot shower for months. But I remember we spent Christmas there and fireworks all night long. It was so loud. I remember being so tired. It was a very Catholic city. You have like processions. But my parents, they found some little store and got like a couple candies and stuffies. And they got these bandanas and they tied our presents up in a bandana. So it all fit in like one bandana. But for some reason, just because when you've been living without for so long, it was just so, I think we just didn't even expect presents. So in a way it was like, oh, that was like good for me to be like a less like materialistic piece of crap. American child. So Um,
0: I'm sorry. Were you sporting your precious moments Bible during this time period?
2: Oh, that's a good question. No, I was approaching 12. So I think I might have moved. I don't know if I'd moved. Oh, did to the you get the Bible yet? Study Your Bible. Study Bible. Yeah, yeah. I was like, I always thought I was older and cooler than i actually was so i'm pretty sure i would have ditched the precious moments by this point oldest Um, child
1: syndrome we probably were like can i please get one of those like puffy covered (laughs) and i rsb
2: those those mission strips at ensenada when my dad was a youth pastor i'm talking i was like eight years old when i went on these and i straight up thought those high schoolers were my like friends i truly believed i was their equal that is just how i rolled
0: So I like that for little Lindsay.
2: (laughs) That's like pretty much my Mexico stories. I went to Turkey on a mission trip with my sister in the middle of traveling Europe and, you know, went to Croatia, visited missionaries. Those people were great. They literally lived there. We're like helping people out. I have no complaints. But Turkey, we met up with a very small team. And so my sister went to Life Bible College for a minute, which was uh, Foursquare. And weirdly enough, I met and dated a guy that I like thought I was going to marry, yada, yada. He went and did a YYM DTS, broke up with me for Jesus. But then two weeks later, was dating a girl who he is now married to. And he is a youth pastor. So... Dodge that bullet. Did they what? meet at their DTS? Mm. Sure did. He broke up with me, though, to focus on the Lord. He couldn't have any distractions. Well, obviously. While well, going out into the missions field, clearly. Like, the worst and weirdest thing. Him and my sister, independently of one another, signed up to do a DTS in Montana. And mind you, they had, I think, signed up for this before him and I were dating. So my family and I, we drove to Idaho from Oregon. And then the boyfriend and my sister drove from Montana to Idaho. We all met in the middle, spent Thanksgiving together, which is like pretty serious. Like I thought I was going to marry this guy. His family got me Christmas presents. I remember this. And then the last day of the trip, he broke up with me for the Lord. The last night, very late. And I remember I cried and I cried and I cried. And then... He drove back to Montana with my sister and refused to like talk to her because she was like, uh, Are you okay? And he was like, I don't want to talk about it. And then uh, uh, we drove through a snowstorm back to Oregon. My parents were driving and I sat in the way back of their minivan and just cried in the backseat very dramatically. He dumped me for the Lord and then married someone else like immediately. It's <laughs> like, whatever. I dodged that bullet. Fast forward to many years later when. I go on a mission trip to Turkey with that boy's sister and her husband. And we had kept in touch since my sister was in the four square world. They were very four square people. And so my sister went to Foursquare Bible college and I go to Turkey with them because they're thinking about moving to Turkey. So it's this couple, my ex-boyfriend's sister and her husband, me and my sister, and two Single middle to later aged white women. Six of us. We're scouting to figure out for this couple they want to move to Turkey. It's a very secular place. It's unchurched. They have their reasons for why, like it needs the Lord. And I think they're trying to form connections. But as I recall, there was no real plan. There was a lot of prayer walking. Hmm. There was a lot of going outside of universities to talk to like college students because. They're so secular and they think whatever. And so honestly, the thing I just remember is like traveling with two older white women who did the thing where when someone doesn't understand you, you you just speak louder and slower in English. And one woman in particular, God, I will never forget her. She was addicted to Diet Pepsi. Diet Coke. Oh, Pepsi. Only Pepsi. And would just like be at a restaurant just being like, Diet Pepsi. Pepsi. bless her heart. Just louder and la- and i i wanted to die and then as i recall i think my sister got into a screaming match with the dude because he was so intense like looking back he was like Quite a zealot. Not much about him that I like. He like didn't have a plan. He was super judgmental. He just had a lot of freaking rules. It was just like we gotta go out there and evangelize. We literally didn't do a single thing that was helpful that I recall. Like sounds you, about white. Yeah. Oh. Like my youth, when I went to Uganda, I went with a team of doctors and I wore scrubs. I didn't know how to do anything, but I would like check oh. people in and get them like you know scrubs they were like sounds. It felt med- legit. You had medical. Training. Before, did you? <laughs> no, God, no. I was 21 or 22, but at least I went with people who knew what they were doing and could help people on some level. The turkey trip, no help was done whatsoever. 100% harm was done as this Karen over here is yelling about Diet Pepsi. So those are (laughs) my missions trip experiences. They're a little bit, they run the gamut,
1: but you know, good times. For me, anyways. (laughs) So one of the things you said was you went outside the colleges and universities and I never did YWAM. I had class-based issues with YWAM that perhaps I'll tell you about sometime. But my ex-husband was in YWAM for a weirdly long time in Brittany, Switzerland, at one of the YWAM bases that thought of themselves as like the intellectual base. And so they were really proud of their pedagogy and practices. (laughs) He always talked about it as University of the Nations. I was curious to ask two real YWAM people here, if you ever referred to it that way or thought of it that way. It was something that People would say on their resume instead of YWAM. Did you think of it as education? Did you think of it as mission?
2: Yeah, in my YWAM experience, if you went to University of the Nations, you like went to the YWAM school in Hawaii. Otherwise, you just did a DTS.
0: Yeah, you have to do a DTS to before. It's like a prerequisite.
2: Yeah, before you before can do, you anything. can get in. And then there's to, like. And then after that, that you can do like a school of worship. The University of Nations had more of the courses than anywhere else. Like Hawaii was the main one. I have another ex-boyfriend who went. There's a lot of like YWAM lifers. In fact, my youngest sister was a YWAM lifer up until 2016. And is currently actually the only one of my siblings who is just straight up. Is not a Christian at the moment because her experience in YWAM was so freaking
0: terrible. Not surprising. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised that I continued in Christianity after my experience at YWAM (laughs) because I went through a lot of tribulations. The Lord was really testing me a lot during my DTS. I think the major one I'll talk about is I made a really good friend, just a lifelong friend who was like there when I needed them to be, was such a support person to me, really understood where I was at in my life and was at a similar place in life. But he was a boy and they didn't like that. They didn't like the fact that I was a girl and he was a boy. It did not matter that I was an engaged 19-year-old or that he had a long-term girlfriend um, and she had a child. It wasn't his child, but he was very much a part of this kid's life. And we were just both in very committed you know, romantic relationships, and we're not looking for that. And that's not what we ever were to one another, but our relationship was... Deemed inappropriate. Uh, We were forbidden from hanging out together. And we still hung out together. It was a life or death situation, my friendship with him, because when we were in Zimbabwe, uh, we were walking back with a group of people from an internet cafe this was back in the late 90s where you had to go to internet cafes sometimes. Oh man, to I am email. <laughs> I just,
2: you just unlocked a core memory. I forgot about that. Thank you for that, Meg.
0: <laughs> yep, so uh, we were walking back and there were different vendors on the road. And so we kind of got separated from the group, a group of three young women who were kind of behind us. A couple of guys had gone on ahead. And my friend and I, as we did, um, eventually would just... Be walking together, talking, hanging out. And um, as we crossed the road, we passed two guys. And as soon as we passed them, they came up behind me. They grabbed me. They dragged me off the road and pulled me towards a vehicle that was waiting with the door open. And if my friend had not been with me and had not physically intervened, I 100% know that I would have been kidnapped in that moment, and I don't know what would have happened to me next. But because he was there, um, he saved my life and stopped them from abducting me. I got away with my life. I had a lot of injuries and um, a lot of trauma after that experience, but they turned it into a spiritual warfare conversation. That the devil was trying to get me to leave, that I was obviously there to do the Lord's work, that this was just Satan trying to put fear into me and really challenged me to stay, which I did. I stayed and it, it took a really long time for me to be okay walking down the street, not with a guy, someone bigger than me, stronger than me. And we got in a lot of trouble Uh, before we left for this missions trip because we would sneak out in the dark. I would make two cups of tea. He would go get usually like a bread or a pastry. Like I think there was a bakery that used to give us their like day old stuff. And then we would go out opposite exits from the base and we would meet up in a park that was across the street. And I think we would smoke and we would drink our tea and eat our pastries And just talk about being homesick and talk about our families and, you know, talk about the Lord and talk about the goals we had. And that friendship, that bond still continues. We we speak to each other. I don't know. It's probably been five years since I've spoken to him on the phone. But, yeah, we still keep in touch. Um, He will forever be a part of my life. When somebody saves your life, stops you from a kind of harm like that. I'm really glad that I was a disobedient girl. Really glad. So you were forbidden to be his friend before the incident happened. Yeah. Dang. Yep. Well, yeah. Good on good on you for being rebellious. I mean, we had an intense like a, the head of the YWAM base sat us down and was just like, "This is inappropriate. You cannot be <laughs> friends. You cannot be alone." You. And it wasn't like we were like in my bedroom alone. We're talking right. like we'd be sitting out on a Men bench. Men just and weren't allowed space.
1: to
2: be friends with women. I mean, girls were always really mean to me. And I got along better with dudes. And it was just like, nope, you can't do that. Or, well, they're going to fall in love with you. And it's like, well, then, okay,
1: I'll deal with that. Like I always, like, Yeah. Can we just for a second, though, recognize how weird and fucked up it is that like, men and women weren't allowed to even be friends in these situations. Like I wasn't ever at YWAM, but my ex-husband has those exact stories. I did camp. I was notorious in college
2: for having guys that were my best friends that then ended up being in love with me later. Yeah. And then I was always like, wait, what? But I think our upbringing set us up for that because they drilled into your head that men and
0: women can't be friends. The reason I get frustrated by this is not just, oh, he like literally saved my life, but they were taking away a really beautiful relationship. One that Mm -hmm was never sexual between us, was never line crossing or whatever, but we just had a bond. And at the time too, I really believed that it was God that brought us together. And I saw our relationship really differently. I saw it for the beauty and he's Australian and his family was in Melbourne. I got really close with his sisters and his parents took me in And just treated me with kindness when I really missed my family. And the fact that that was going to be turned into something that it wasn't, I could have lost, well, I could have lost my life, sure. But I wouldn't have had those amazing memories in the relationships that I had with this guy, with another guy, and another girl. Those are my Aussie pals, and I love them, and they know who they are.
2: I don't have as much of an experience with Youth with a Mission myself. My whole family has... My sister was on staff with YWAM and was married to a Sudanese man. She met through YWAM. They have biracial children. And every time she would say anything even remotely political, like on Facebook or what have you, she was accused of sowing division, I think was mm-hmm. the word, and mm-hmm. you know, stirring the pot, what have you. So I was looking up today just some reactions or people leaving YWAM and how it's viewed and... I found this quote that basically said that hundreds of people have left and are now going on record saying that they were spiritually abused by immature leaders in YWAM who claimed to speak for God and warned that questioning their absolute control equaled rebellion
0: against God. That might have been a direct quote from my leader when they yeah, this dude, I couldn't be friends with a boy. They can say whatever they want
2: and they're going to speak with the authority of God. And because they're your spiritual leader, you better listen or you are rebelling and you are in the wrong and you are sinning. And it's pretty gnarly. Like what? It seems like a pretty harmless thing. Like I know that people go into YWAM and short-term missions with good intentions.
0: I know that they want to help. I mean, I wanted to help and then I got accused of being some sort of a harlot or something.
1: (laughs) Who among us hasn't been called a harlot? (laughs) Generally, as a population, it feels like every time there's a new scandal in any church or any cult or any whatever, everyone's always shocked again and again and again at the same exact story again and again and again. And to (laughs) me, this is like, duh, of course that wasn't happening this whole time. And I think that's endemic in missions organizations. I've known more missionaries that came back from the field, whether short or long term who had to deal with those repercussions of spiritual abuse of that experience of being told you're not as close as God as we are. We're the ones that now know what God Mm. wants to say to you. That is literally what religion is, which is why it's fucked up. Like we act like, Oh, what? That's crazy. I can't believe it. It is honestly modeled after the exact way the general churches of our time are modeled, which is a hierarchical patriarchal system. Uh Uh-oh, I'm doing it again.
0: I do think that YWAM has a special thing that happened, though. My leaders who took me to foreign countries, two white young people who took me to places in Asia and places in Africa, I think that they had done their DTS one or two cycles before me. So that means six months or maybe a year before me. And I just don't think you're equipped enough. I think all you have to do is one. Yeah, and, and then, then you can move. be a leader on another DTS. And so we yeah. had these people call them leaders, I guess, but really they were just handed authority and took it pretty extreme. Yeah, yeah I'm sorry, but like no 19
2: or 20-year-old should be leading no a group 25 of funny people. Exactly. Hey, prefrontal cortex... Exactly. <laughs> Right. Ain't there till you're at least 25. So my dad, who was like the father of yeah. three, being led by an 18-year-old girl named Becky. I shit you not. Like, what was her hair like though? Blonde. Not
0: good, probably. Yeah.
2: Midwestern gal, like I'm not fancy. Sweetheart. She struck me as like a Minnesotan blonde Becky. She was a nice girl. She was in over her fucking head. <laughs> no. So right. I feel like you've been teasing a doozy of a missions trip story.
1: Am I right on this? Oh, okay. Well, I do. I'm ready. (laughs) It's pretty bad. I never got to go to Mexico, but however, I did participate in preparation to go to Mexico on more than one occasion. And on one of those occasions, we had to go through this little cultural awareness kind of class you know, led by our youth leaders in our youth group. And well, hold on.
2: That's like more than I ever did.
1: I'm yeah, like, oh that
2: was at positive. least a little bit
1: responsible. <laughs> it was. I remember being like a class, but you know, like I loved it because I could get an A in it. it Grew is- up like Lisa Simpson and I was like, grade me, grade me, I'm ever so smart. That kind of thing. Anyway, so I, we were doing this course and I a couple years ago while we were moving our stuff out of the attic, there was this giant box that I'm pretty sure my mom and dad had given to me since I had moved into that house. I didn't carry a lot of stuff with me when I left my life behind. And in it were some of the manuals with like fill-in-the-blank answers to questions Mm -hmm. that we had to do for this one particular mission trip to Mexico. And I opened it up and was like, this is hilarious. What? And I started reading my answers and the stuff, the questions in the book and stuff. And I seriously was like, I mean, I know it was the 90s, but... What the fuck? I'm being taught racist, classist, xenophobia as my mission trip prep. I could barely handle reading it. Like, partly because I was so embarrassed and ashamed of my own participation and my 16 year old ignorance or whatever it was behind this shit. But oh my God, I was horrified to see it and sad to remember that that's probably not like the last time that curriculum was taught. At any point in between that and, I don't know, 2015, did anyone ever think to ask any questions about that? And I I don't know if that was the same for others. That's my experience growing up, super white evangelicalism that really was middle class based. And I mentioned earlier that I never did YWAM um, and that I had class issues with YWAM because I grew up working class. When I went to college, I had a ton of scholarships. And so I was really lucky that I didn't have to take out a bazillion student loans or anything. But my family didn't have money to send or anything like that. So I kind of had to work my way through school. And then I had some student debt, and I just always had this like deep impression that I had to work my ass off to make it anywhere. And that if I didn't do that, or if I asked for somebody else to kind of help me along, that would be bad. That's just my personal (laughs) workaholism problem. (laughs) But the thing that was really interesting to me was so many of my friends would go and I would get all these different fundraising letters. You know, I worked at summer camp and I went to Christian college. So literally, 90% of the people I knew to say, I'm going to wherever to do a DTS or Mercy Ships. That was another big one, like kind of YWAM adjacent, going on a boat. Is that not YWAM? Mercy Ships? It was, yes, but I think it's its own thing now. I don't know. Who knows? Mergers, departures, Christian organizations, they're baffling and confusing and tax exempt. So... They could do whatever the fuck they want, apparently. (laughs) So I got all these letters all the time from so many of my friends just asking, oh, could you send me $25 a month? Depending on how intensive their missions were, they'd also have kind of what's their monthly budget that they're trying to get. And I always would look at those and just be like, I'm sorry, I have a fucking job. I can't send you $25 a month so you can have more than I make at not just my one fucking job, but three Jobs. I worked three
0: jobs during that time. Also, yeah. I had twenty dollars oh. to get me to and from school and all my jobs and everything. School is like forty minutes away, and my coffee budget—so gas and coffee. But I would it would stretch for like two, sometimes three weeks. I,
1: I mean, Whoa. the '90s, right? Totally doable. I found myself having a hard time keeping up with my student loans and my car payment, and I don't think I even had rent. I'm pretty sure a lot of this was happening during the time I lived at the mortuary. You know but it was happening for years and so by this time i was probably like 25 and i really got to a point where people would send me a budget that was like we need five thousand dollars a month so we can put 2500 into savings or something and i'm like "Um, what i'm not here to pad your wallet so you can go on an exciting international adventure even though you pretend you're reluctant because you've heard the call of the lord or whatever like no actually i'm gonna stay here work all of my jobs never have enough money but always have enough money for Tillamook brand cheese and usually beer. I thought you were going to say tithing. Oh my God. No. You started no. with
0: Tillamook, I thought you were going to say
1: tithing. No, honey. Oh, no, 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 no. You know why? Because I interpreted the Bible on tithing to mean bring your tithes to the storehouse so they can be distributed during times of famine, which is what tithes are for. So if it's so you can have a nice building and keep the lights on there and pay your 16 staff well, I don't really feel like that's tithing because it actually doesn't come back out for anyone unless they beg and plead and, you know, comply with middle class white people norms. But I digress. So anyway, I just thought why Wim was fucking classist because most of the friends I had that did it had parents that were more wealthy than mine. Not everyone. OK, so I'm not I know you didn't come up in that way and you did YWAM. So I'm not mad at you about it. I'm just saying most of the people I worked with at camp or even in college, a lot of people's parents were paying for their college and and stuff like that. I I just was on my own at the age of 18.
2: If it makes you feel any better, my sister who spent 10 plus years with YOM now is on the brink of being a single mom and has no real like work experience. And she's making it. She's doing it. She's got a job. And thank goodness her like job was like, oh, you like led teams of people across the world that shows some like leadership skills, which is true. But it sure shit does not set you up for success in the real world.
1: I also I will say this about short term or long term missions that has always been hard for me. I remember as a kid, missionaries coming home on their sabbatical to raise money for their future trips. And they'd all sing songs and be like, here's the amazing things I'm doing and all these poor children I'm saving single-handedly and Jesus or whatever. They didn't all have like useful skills. They would just be like, I'm preaching the gospel. And I'm like, well, can you help people get some food or water? Like, I just always felt like if I was going to go do something like that, I would want to have something to offer more than just Jesus. Like I loved Jesus then like super much, but I didn't really feel like it was my job to make people believe a different thing. That's a weird thing to notice.
2: I've had issues with short term missions for a long time. in fact, my youngest sister and I got into some arguments about it because I didn't support them financially. Um, and never did. I just didn't want to give my money to YWAM. They just always geese me out a little bit. And but so I found other ways because she's my sister and I did want to support her. So like, we got a family plan with them. And so we like paid for their cell phone. But like, I do things like that. But I was like, I just like, I don't know. I could never explain it. And it's funny. Now she's like, oh, I get it. <laughs> like, I, I couldn't. I couldn't have that conversation with her then because she was so in it. But I just felt like, I don't know, this feels all really chaotic. And like, what good is this? And even as a person who into my 20s, you know, I went to Uganda and I look back on that time with pretty mixed feelings. Again, I went with a team of doctors who did some legitimate good. And of course, we went to an orphanage. I ended up sp- sponsoring a child who I still keep in touch with to this day. And I could pat myself on the back and be like, we provided necessary medical care. You know, we, we did some things. But when you do the math of what short term missions cost to send us all, 30 to 40 people went to Uganda. And so I think about like, what if we had just taken those thousands of thousands? Pump- thousands of dollars. What if you took that and invested in infrastructure or invested in sending medical resources or sponsoring people to go to medical school or whatever it is? Do I think it's wrong to provide free medical care for people? No. But just the thought of like, these 20 year olds all need to fly across the world and save everybody. It's like, no. Also, you could do it without
0: proselytizing, Mm.
2: right? I could I could go on about that forever, but I think that like we are all probably in the same boat where we are now older and we are wiser and we look back on these experiences and it feels cringy, right? It feels uh, it feels like a a lot of wasted resources.
0: Is what it feels like to me. <laughs> I don't know how do how do you. How do you feel? When I was on my DTS, I was really there for the service aspect of things. That's not why I was sent there, but I wasn't good at public speaking. I wasn't good at getting people saved. As you know, um, I never let anyone in the sinner's prayer. Not a single notch in my belt either. No jewels in that crown.
1: I'd say uh, that's my greatest non-regret. My greatest gratitude is I never tried to convert another person.
0: <laughs> that's really, Yeah. I like that feather in your cap. I have that Thank feather you. in my cap. I like that dress. Yep. What I didn't like was the fact that it cost a lot of money to send me there to dig ditches or clean bedding or dig well trenches. It it costs a lot of money. I guess the positive thing about it is that we were young. We had lots of energy. We were, you know, at our fittest and uh, most muscular. We could kind of like. I mean, we weren't having sex, so we had to put all of that sexual frustration somewhere. So why not <laughs> fix stitches? But that money, thousands and thousands of dollars. Okay, so she's connecting. Could have been I, I want Christians to be given able to connect with the that, local people um, to help us not have to be a train transactional- build infrastructure. And in my mind, that as long as it has nothing so to do with, do we'll we'll you want to give you water into come here? Um, talking sermon. about ways that right. or we'll give you, you a meal if you come help some churches, to this Bible some study. There should or not be some ulterior motives do some when you are trying to
1: help people. Yeah. At
0: least that's Let me just my humble opinion. A
1: wow, I share that humble opinion, and I don't even feel humble about it. I'm just like no. This is correct. This is how you do it.
2: What is your if you had to distill it down to what's like? What's your main problem with short-term missions? Like what like gets you in your soul <laughs> about it?
1: White saviorism Ooh. is probably the top
0: thing for Tell me. Tell me about it. Let's pretend I'm a person who has no idea what
1: white saviorism is. Hmm. Okay. So you are both talking about wasted resources as you're talking, Meg, about oh, you could just send that money to people, I immediately know that people would not, white people in America in the evangelical churches, let me just say that's the group of people I'm talking about, would very likely not trust that as much as they trust sending little Maggie or little Lindsay over to another country to to be the conduit of this word of salvation. Mm -hmm. And I don't know that evangelicals Have other goals besides evangelism, really. Current evangelicals,
2: do you think that they, you know, there's some sort of efforts to partner with local on the ground people and maybe not change things as much? You know, it's a little less like you have to hear the Bible in English.
1: Yeah, thanks, Wycliffe Bible translators. Woohoo! Mission? accomplished
2: the thing that i was raised with was the lord cannot come back until every tribe and every tongue and every nation has had the gospel preached to them so it was a big 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 deal it's less of a deal now i understand now that technology is but like going and translating the bible into every language and getting to every little tribe that is a prophecy that people believe in. I don't even think it so much matters that they like accept the Lord. It's just that they have to hear it, right? <laughs> like it just has to be preached to them. They can choose hell if that's what they desire, but they desire hell. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, instead of maybe sending kids, white kids predominantly overseas to become little white saviors, maybe we just help our neighbors. Yeah. Like yeah. actual neighbors who don't have homes here. When I was 18, I went to another country and this was the first time that I'd seen what and Mm -hmm. the most heartbreaking thing for me to see families, old people, young kids were living in these really terrible conditions without drinking water, without a place to go to the bathroom. They Mm -hmm. had shelter. You know, I don't know what kind of food they had. But they were built when you were driving through to get to town. They were shanty towns is what they told us. And Mm -hmm. I was like shocked by that. But I think I was shocked by that because in America, we really hide
1: people. We tell them to hide. We force them to hide. We move them away. We cite them. We give them fines. We put them in jail if they keep doing it. And we have not learned to provide a place to rest, a place to sit, a place to sleep, and a place to shit. In this country?
0: You know, I'm trying to do something in my community. I mean, not just my community, my neighbors, like with the Mm. people who literally live next door to me on my same street, my little dead end drive. And I started doing it with our chicken eggs. We don't charge anybody for them, we just are like, Nah, we can afford the $50 a feed. And also, they're hilarious and adorable. And I love having them around. And for a family of three, we don't need six eggs every day, which is what we get. So I like it because having a surplus means that I get to take it to my neighbors and I get to give them free. I mean, they're delicious eggs. Yeah. And, you know, at first, they're a little bit like, Here's three dollars, or you know, but now we just share stuff. So we all have gardens, we're planting different things for one another, so we can just give them to each other. Sarai, so, right, we do this with our gardens. It's like you plant the zucchini. We did both plant a lot of tomatoes this oh year. Oh my gosh, so we're, we're gonna have to share
1: a lot of salsa. I that's think that's why we have to have a <laughs> salsa party. So, yeah, what an idea being just in your own neighborhood building. I guess, community. Wow. Almost like a
0: barter system, except that we don't keep track or charge people. We just, they give us some lettuce. We give them some eggs. They have extra squash, you know?
1: Yeah. Are you ever like, here are some eggs. I'd like you to have them because they symbolize the triune God. It is but one egg. (laughs) And of this egg are three special parts, the shell. Let's call that God, the father. The white, I don't know, Holy Wait, Spirit or whatever. Do you call whatever. the shell God the Father? I don't remember which is what. I don't, it doesn't matter. But the yoke is another one of them. So I those three called. personified penis holders, I assume. I don't know about the Holy Spirit, but- According to Luke chapter one, he did come on (laughs) Mary. So you tell me, you tell me. Sounds like a dude. Yeah. Or do you not have strings attached to your egg deliveries?
0: (laughs) Personally, I don't. So my neighbor that I give eggs to, I talked to her about maybe putting out a little farm stand in the neighborhood where we could just all put all of our extra produce and it would just be like free to whoever wants it. And uh, bless her heart, this sweet old neighbor said, Oh, but what if homeless people come and start to know that there's like free food here? Hmm. So I said, wouldn't that be wonderful? Wouldn't it be so wonderful if our unhoused or our lower income neighbors could get fresh produce, eggs, veggies, fruit from our neighborhood, and they would be able to see our neighborhood as a welcoming, caring place where they could eat fresh produce instead of garbage food.
1: Hmm. That is a novel idea. But isn't that what it should be? It should be reciprocal.
2: That's really beautiful. That is how human beings should interact with one another and how they help each other out without the price tag or without it being so loaded as to like, if I do
1: this, then you do this. Like that sounds beautiful to do. I love that her first reaction is, what if homeless people came here instead of will rats want to eat those things? Because we have a huge fucking rat problem in our town. Like give me a break. I was more concerned
0: about rodents, frankly, like squirrel. We have so many squirrels that just come and eat oh, my fruit fucking, off my tree. They just birds. take little bites of it and leave it there. And I'm like, why are you like yeah. this? Eat the whole thing or share it with a friend. Like That's you could right. bring five or six squirrel friends. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be gluttonous. You could just share it, but don't waste it. Th- that was Take a good the feature.
1: whole cherry home. <laughs> All of it.
0: All of it. I want that for you, squirrel.
1: Enjoy. Squirrels, birds, not the rats. Um, oh, yeah. no, rats can fucking die. All of them <laughs> die. I'm hexing you right now. I don't think all short-term missions are
2: evil. But as you know, Sarai pointed out, there has been so much harm done in the name of Jesus in in other countries. And I think like the thing too, is that in America, we don't do that shit at home. We don't do it here. And I think that like it it is taking me till now i I do a lot of work with my, Current church with like the houseless community in Portland, that was never a thing that was really like, I mean, my parents took us to like soup kitchens and stuff like occasionally growing up, but it wasn't a thing that I really thought about, nor did I have an interest in. I just like, frankly, was like, I had the attitude of like, you did this to yourself. And so I'm not going to help you. Truly, that is what I thought, which is fucked up. We do have
1: (laughs) options for being able to offer meaningful service where we are all the time. And I think that while I'm no longer a part of any organized Christian church, and will never be again. There are so many resources that faith communities can bring to bear. Driving around, we see a lot of churches with a lot of land. Uh, And in my most recent position, working with our county, part of my work was to work with faith communities that had large land uh, to create ways to build Yigby homes, yes, in God's backyard. So cute. So, So to combat NIMBY, not in my backyard, which this whole town is literally just white liberal NIMBY people who are like, I'm not a NIMBY, but if you build a place for people to live across the street from me and I have to look at it, I don't want to see it. Um, that's a literal thing that someone once said to me. But churches do have resources. They have bring your tithes to the storehouse, and those tithes will be distributed in times of famine. How does a church legitimately get out and share resources with people who need them, whether they deserve them? Or not, whether they ever comply with what you think is common courtesy, good behavior, Christian morals. Literally, you're talking middle class white people norms. So, if we're looking for somebody to put on a clean suit and tie and go out and beat the streets and get a nice job sweeping floors, like that isn't always possible for people. And in fact, Christians in particular value this puritanical work ethic, which is a thing that I don't really see in the Bible. Like, Jesus is never like, help poor people, but make sure they work for it and that they make you sad because it involves children or something. It's literally our definition of what it means to be chronically homeless in particular, is that you have been homeless for at least 12 months in the last three years and have a disability. So, it's not like you can be unhoused and not have a disability and be counted as one of the people most in need of housing resources, which is how we distribute those resources as a nation as our, at our governmental level. What if churches had funds to help people get better access to housing? What if they were able to create housing that's affordable to people of all incomes? or free in a lot of cases. So we have a couple of good examples of that in our area. One that I love is uh, an organization here called Square One Villages has partnered with Peace Presbyterian Church on River Road to create what's called Peace Village where they're building 70 plus, I can't remember how many, it's like Uh 75 or 76 or something, units of housing that will offer home ownership opportunities to people with very low incomes using a cooperative community land trust model, which probably I'll just do a whole podcast about someday because it is my favorite. That's an example of how this can work. The church was going to retain ownership of the property, but it turned out to be more advantageous to them to sell it to square one, at a lower cost, even below market, and then have a lease back agreement where they have access to all of those buildings that constitute the church part of the property, every wednesday and every sunday when they have their bible studies and their services but otherwise people who will live in that village have access to those facilities throughout the week so it's it's kind of a beautiful acknowledgement in that case of a church saying we are an old and aging congregation and we're not probably seeing an influx of young people coming in but we want to make sure that this property that we own free and clear is available as a resource to our community where we've been for
0: so long. Truly giving back to their community, right? By creating a community center out of the facility that rarely gets used. That's my biggest complaint. Every time walking by not just a massive church lawn, which is being watered and maintained and paid for, but the entire property itself. I mean, these warm or... Cool, depending on the season, full buildings with usually commercial grade kitchens, full bathroom facilities. I mean, maybe not showers, but we could add those pretty easily, I think. And we could create community spaces. These, these facilities are already within every single neighborhood in America, And if this kind of land use could be done um, with more churches, more facilities, I'm not advocating to kick people out of churches. I'm not advocating to stop people from congregating. I think it's great. I would just like it to positively impact the community instead of negatively impact the community. That's just my humble request for churches.
1: I like it. Yeah. And if your church doesn't have a whole lot of property on it and you have a beautiful building... I highly recommend turning your sanctuary into like a a pub. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. My favorite thing to do is buy a church and convert it into a pub. <laughs> it's one of the best things. As
0: long as there's a lot of places where food carts can be yep. as well. That's... I I personally would love to see every church turn into just a community space that has food carts and drink things. And I mean, there's already playgrounds for kids and big open
1: spaces. You could have your dog and picnic tables, but also we could have housing. If you want to convert your church into something cooler, like housing and or a public house, y'all just give me a call because that is weirdly my specific area
0: of expertise. I'm here for it. Good. And especially if you want to do it in my town, right next door to me, on one of the two corners within three blocks that have giant church properties on them, yeah, I'm here for mm-hmm. it. I don't- Great think about scripture all that often
2: anymore I'm not a big like bible reader but I was thinking about the verse about like that he has anointed me to like proclaim good news and it's like what is like freedom for the prisoners and like sight for the blind and to set the oppressed free like that is what the gospel actually says and unfortunately short term missions has just actually oppressed a lot of people the helpfulness has gotten lost to the i must save you from hell and change you to my ways and make you speak my language and adopt to my customs and because you are different than me. And that's not okay. And it's, it's pretty messed up. And I think that like, we have all dipped our toes into those waters. And thankfully, we are, we are far beyond that now. And we can look back and, and cringe. But yeah, I, I I do have a little I think I'll always have a little bit of guilt for those places that I went and I'm like, Oh, God, we were probably just really annoying teenagers who just made Americans look bad and make Christians look bad. And just the whole thing. If you didn't grow up an evangelical and you didn't go on mission trips, I'm just, I'm happy for you. That's, that's what I got to say. I hope you just took normal vacations to places and you didn't have to go to places and preach about the Lord. That's what I hope.
1: Yeah, but how are you going to get someone else to pay for your vacation if you're not doing the Lord's work? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. You know, actually, New Mexico is not that expensive to travel to. So if it is within your means, you could just decide to go there and play on one of the newer versions of the same exact playground both I and my second fiance built.
2: New Mexico does not need any more playgrounds. And old Mexico, OG Mexico might not either, for that matter.
0: I mean, Lindsay and I just took a trip to Santa Fe and it was fantastic. I highly highly recommend it to anyone save your money and go on a vacation there uh call me if you want some tips on places to go call Lindsay
1: if you want tips on places to eat Yep. (laughs) if you need to know anything about farmington the only thing i know is that constantly renewable playground find organizations (laughs) that are on
2: the ground doing the work and support them. It's like the same thing like with when you're looking at like abortion rights, like find organizations in your city that are doing good things and support them. The hubris of American Christians is that we feel like we can go over there and create a new thing that's better. Mm Mm-mm. We don't need to do that. There are people out there who are doing the work. And whether you want to support Christian people or non-Christian people, it doesn't matter. Find someone who is helping other people. No strings attached. And maybe find something that hits your passion your soul in a way what is the thing that that you want to see change in the world and rather than spend your thousands of dollars to fly over there and like fumble around and ask for diet pepsis too loudly go find some good people to go to because it does exist and this isn't just like bashing people who want to do good because those people are out there and maybe just like don't do Ywam. That's that's my hot
1: tip. <laughs> just don't give your money to Ywam. You mean University of the Nations?
2: Yeah, no. Uh-uh. That's not a real university. It's
1: bogus. Let's
0: just try to love our neighbor in a way that is biblical, I guess, or not. Mm. It, it doesn't matter love, to me. Love thy neighbor in the biblical sense. Sure, that one too. It's but so love hot. thy neighbor as thyself. We're so good at being selfish in America. We are so good at putting me first. Maybe we do try to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. You know?
1: I, Do we I, put ourselves first when we were raised to be P31s? Like I don't know. I
0: know. I don't know. I, I heard myself say it and then I was like, wait, I don't do that.
1: Same. I was I like, think, oh yeah, me first. And then I'm like, literally when? Yeah, I
0: think
1: I'm talking more culturally and probably more towards white men. White men, Uh, listen up. I'm sure you're flocking to this podcast because it's definitely (laughs) you're our intended audience. (laughs) Mm -hmm. We're glad you're here. Thanks for joining Mm -hmm. us for this last
0: two seconds of our podcast. (laughs) Do you want us to think about how do we take that short term mission mentality that we had as young people, whether it was to go on an adventure um, to hang out with cool people, to make a difference in someone's life. And let's just fucking do that in our neighborhood. Yes, yes. I like it. I'm in. That wraps it up nicely there. We're just here to make you a
2: little bit uncomfortable, maybe a little bit hopeful. And, you know, you might feel a little cringy too. And that's okay. <laughs> we were young. We were dumb. And this has been Holy Ghosting. <laughs> <laughs>
0: ghosting is a same team media production music by weep bar ap weber produced the show thanks for joining us and if you miss us in between shows you can find us on socials posting almost every day at holy ghosting pod instagram and tiktok